Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, Paul and Silas are identified by a possessed girl. Paul's ministry continues even in prison. The unknown God and a proper baptism. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right. Our reading for this week will bring us to Acts chapter 16 through 21. Uh, the Come Follow Me curriculum will focus heavily on uh, Paul and a lot of his ministry. He has various companions in several of these areas, and it will be impossible to get through all of this material in a single podcast. So please ensure that you are studying uh, in addition to what I am presenting as well. Uh, let's go ahead and get started right in Acts chapter 16. One of the notable events that occur uh, is Paul and his missionary companion Silas are there to uh, in, uh, in Macedonia to uh, preach the gospel, um, as, as all missionaries are. And uh, there's a possessed girl a slave or servant of some sort who makes money for her masters by um, possessing this spirit of, of divination, some sort of soothsaying or fortune telling, that sort of idea that uh, people pay money to consult with this possessed girl. And, uh, and her masters really like that because, you know, they get money. So this girl follows Paul and Silas around for days. Um, th well, this is this is kind of uh, what goes on. Uh, let's look in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Okay, so this miraculous no longer is this girl going to be used just uh, to get gain for her masters. Uh, Paul has cast out this, this spirit that was inside of her. Um, unfortunately, that did not set so well with the masters of this girl. Uh, they were thinking that they would no longer be able to make money off of her. And so they dragged Paul and Silas before the magistrates in uh, Macedonia and began bearing false witness against them, telling the magistrates that uh, their preaching was encouraging people to do things that were not lawful for Romans. So without any trial, without hearing any other details, they rip off their coats, they beat Paul and Silas, giving them many stripes, we read in the scriptures, and then cast them into prison, 
but taking care to make sure that they've charged the prison guard to keep them safe. And of course, in Roman times, what that means is if the prisoner escapes, the jailkeeper pays with his life. Uh, so it's, it's a serious charge. It's not ideal to be beaten and then be locked up in stocks and thrown into prison. But Paul and Silas uh, remained optimistic in spite of their circumstances. The scriptures say that they prayed and sang praises to God, which were heard by the other prisoners. And then suddenly a great earthquake comes, which not only breaks open the prison, but also breaks the stocks that were holding these prisoners bound and uh, uh, allows them free access to run. So the jailer wakes up at this earthquake, and knowing that he is responsible for all of these prisoners, and he sees the prison open, he assumes, well, what prisoner wouldn't escape? So he prepares to kill himself. And who comes to his rescue but Paul? And this is what it says in Acts chapter 16. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So, it's a notable experience because Paul did not allow his circumstances to stop him from doing what he could to glorify God. Certainly, it, it's a good excuse to say, you know, I tried, I got beaten and thrown into prison. I think I can take a break. Paul looked constantly for what he could do to fulfill his calling, to glorify God. A person, if we are to apply this idea, a person does not need to wait for the perfect calling or assignment or circumstances or opportunity to be handed to them to start thinking about what they can do better to improve themselves and those around them. We can always be looking for opportunities to use the talents that God has given to us. All right, further on in our reading, uh, Paul makes his way to Athens, and the Athenians have a bunch of philosophers and other non-Athenians who are around a place called Mars Hill, and they spend all of their time hoping to either tell or hear something new something that they haven't heard before. Some of these people know that Paul is a religious preacher, and they're interested to hear what he has to say. Now, 
Paul had previously noted as he, has, he had made his way there that the Athenians were incredibly idolatrous. They had monuments to countless mythological deities. And to make sure they hadn't forgotten anyone, they even created a tribute to something that they labeled the unknown god. Thinking, you know, in case we've missed anyone, we don't want them to be upset with us either. We just don't know about them. So here's a tribute for them, too. Incredibly superstitious. So Paul uses this information to help relate their circumstances to his message. He stands in the midst of Mars Hill, and uh, I think I, I'm going to read through um, what he said here. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed any thing, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And a certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Incredibly powerful, using this opportunity to use their own superstition to say, whom ye ignorantly worship, that's who I want to talk about. And he preaches the Lord, and he talks about how his the one that he has ordained was risen from the dead, the doctrine of the resurrection of Christ that Paul witnesses to these people. Now, of course, many of these Athenians have heard this sort of uh, monotheistic idea before, and they're unimpressed. They wanted to hear something new, not something true. So some of the people do have their hearts opened and recognize the truth of what Paul teaches. And they ask, saying that they would hear more, and they end up joining uh, the disciples. I think this is kind of important to, to think about this strategy that Paul used. 
he found something to connect him to people around uh, him. He didn't start necessarily with the differences, even though he was bold in pointing out that uh, there was a difference in what they did. He talked about um, how he could relate something that they used to a way that they could learn about something that was true and great. There are opportunities to find God all around us, even in things that we might not necessarily think of immediately. An altar to an unknown God is not something that readily speaks, oh yeah, that's Christian. But Paul made it that. Uh, The Book of Mormon teaches us that all things denote there is a God. There are opportunities, if we look, for us to relate God to all aspects of our lives. All right, let's jump ahead. Acts chapter 19. Let's talk about proper baptism. Paul is traveling, uh, Paul is traveling, and he comes to a town called Ephesus, and he finds some people there who are disciples, but who have not received the Holy Ghost. Uh, he asks them about the Holy Ghost, and they, ha- they reply, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And Paul says, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. I think this is a significant story because even though they had been baptized before, illegitimate baptism. I mean, John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus. It was legitimate. But in spite of that, they were baptized again. And so why is that? Why would they need to be baptized? Why not just have Paul lay hands on them and that they might receive the Holy Ghost? Well, The priesthood is governed by those who hold the keys of the kingdom. This was also a critical point for Jesus, who gave to Peter the keys of the kingdom. And every person who is seeking priesthood power, they need to go through the proper organization. They should seek it through his kingdom. This is fundamental. And so being a part of the the kingdom of Jesus Christ that he established meant a proper baptism, doing it again and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as we can see from the result, it was accepted by God, which doesn't necessarily mean that what they did before was in bad faith. Um, It was likely in good faith. But when they received additional truths, from the prophets and apostles, they had enough uh, light inside of them to recognize this was what they needed to do. And they followed the new direction given by living prophets and apostles. Now, the priesthood 
uh, can also, it's possible for people to attempt things with the priesthood in bad faith or in really misguided faith, unlike those people. And a great example of this is also in Acts 19. Uh, this is starting in verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So why would this be a problem? Well, of course, it's because the priesthood of God is not something you can just say, oh, I feel like I have it. No man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. The order of priesthood is important. It has always been important. And a person cannot just say, I have the priesthood. This was the downfall of Saul, the initial downfall of King Saul in the Old Testament, who took it upon himself the idea that, eh, you know, it'll be okay because I'm king. It's not okay. And you can't give yourself permission to say it's okay. Only God can. He chooses who holds his power. He chooses how it is used. Um, and it can only be used as he directs. What people can do is they can use the things that he has given them to build the kingdom of God. Uh, you can use the talents and gifts that you have received without waiting for a calling or assignment to do good, to do many things of your own free will to bring to pass righteousness. It doesn't need to be, you don't need to get frustrated if it's not giving priesthood blessings or if it's not a particular leadership position in a ward or stake. Find what you can do in spite of your circumstances, and do the best you can. And God will say to you, if you have tried to increase the talents he has given you, blessed are ye, ye have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. If we do what we can, no opposition can keep us from receiving the love of God. Next week, we will look at Acts chapters 22 through 28 as um, Paul goes to be tried by various judges and ultimately appeals to Caesar. Of course, there's a lot that we did not discuss in this week's podcast 
please read through these chapters in Acts. Consider how else they apply to you. Listen to the Spirit of the Lord in your heart and follow that. And of course, as always, fight on.